Welcome to the RSCC podcast. Thanks for joining us today. My name's Adam and I'm on staff here at RSCC. Here at RSCC, we believe that you matter and that God loves you so much. If you want to know more about RSCC or to keep up with what's going on, follow us on social media at RSCC Family or visit our website at rsccfamily.org. We would love to connect with you. I hope you enjoy the message today. Good morning. Good to have the opportunity to share with you again today. Chuck Swindoll, in one of his books, talks about a story of an airliner that um, was headed to New York City. And this happened a number of years ago. But as the plane is uh, approaching the airport and getting ready to land, the pilot realizes that the landing gear are not coming down. And so they work uh, and try different things to get the landing gear to, you know, extend so they can land and it's just not working. They, you know, inform the control tower of what's going on and, um, you know, ask for directions and, you know, they circle as they, you know, uh, expend most of the fuel in the plane. And while they're doing that on the ground, they're, you know, putting the foam down on the runway and getting the ambulances and fire trucks and all the you know, emergency equipment there just to be prepared in case of the worst. And on the plane, you know, the passengers, you know, they're, it's one of those, is this really happening uh, moments? And they're being instructed of how to position themselves uh, for the landing, you know, to put their, their head down and uh, to grab their ankles and to get ready for this. And there's, you know, there's tears, there's a few screams. And right as they're coming up to the moment of landing, the pilot comes over the intercom and says, we're beginning our final descent. And at, at, uh, at this moment, in accordance with international aviation codes established in Geneva, it is my obligation to inform you that if you believe in God, you should commence prayer. Now, I don't know about you, if I'd been on that plane, and I suspect for most of the people on that plane, that prayer started a long time before that pilot made that announcement. They didn't need to be told it was time to pray. But when do you pray? I mean, really pray. We, you know, we pray, you know, at mealtimes, maybe we get up in the morning, when you go to bed in the evening. When do we really get earnest in prayer? We're going to look today, we're going to go back to the book of Jonah. We're not done with it yet. We're going to uh, look at the characters in the story of Jonah and when they pray and what they pray and look at what lessons are there for us today in terms of our prayer life. You know, there are actually there are two groups and one individual in the book of Jonah that pray. There are the sailors, obviously Jonah, and the Ninevites. They all have their opportunity uh, in the story where it's recounting uh, their prayers. So we're going to go through and and look at each of those, and, and again see what we can learn from their stories. And so let's start with the sailors. 
This is the first group of people to pray in the, in the book of Jonah. In chapter 1, uh, verse 5, you know, again, they're, they're in the middle of this storm. The boat is about to sink, and all the sailors, verse 5 says, all the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. You know, in the ancient view, uh, and even among some Eastern religions today, there are gods who are responsible for different areas of life. They might be a, a tribal or a family god, or it might be a god that's over a particular region, or a particular type of geography, or a different aspect of nature, such as the wind, the rain, that type of thing. There's an incident in uh, 1 Kings chapter 20 that kind of gives us some insight into this kind of thinking. There's a foreign king attacking Israel, and in the first battle, Israel defeats this foreign army. And the advisors to the king of the foreign army, they tell him, they say, their gods are the gods of the mountains. And that, that's where we fought them the first time. And for that reason, they were stronger than we are. But let's get them to fight on the plains, on the level ground. That's where our gods are, are stronger than they are. So that, that's kind of, again, the, the mindset where the sailors are praying to their own gods. To, um, you know, during this time, they might have been praying to whatever God they considered was in charge of the sea or the weather. So the sailors are, are praying to whatever God that uh, they're worshiping at the time. And even in chapter 1, it talks about them casting lots to determine who was responsible for this storm. Even that is an appeal in the uh, ancient way of thinking. It was an appeal to God to determine for God to give them a sign through the casting of lots. So the sailors are praying. When do we see them praying first? Well, their first prayers, they're, they're in the middle of that storm. They're in a tough spot. It's a bad storm. Um, and again, at first, they're not praying to Jehovah God, to, to Jonah's God, to our God. That didn't occur until the very last uh, moment. We, we read in chapter 1, which we did a few weeks ago, you know, it tells us that they tried everything they could before they prayed to Jehovah. They threw the cargo overboard to try to lighten the ship so that it wouldn't be as heavy in the water. They tried to row back to land. Now, after all of their efforts to ride out the storm are exhausted, then they pray to God. And what did these sailors pray for? Well, you know, Pretty obvious, even though we don't have the exact words there, they were praying for deliverance from the storm. And the words from the captain to Jonah in verse 6 kind of give us some insight into what they were praying. The captain tells Jonah, who's sleeping at the, in the bottom of the boat at this time, you know, get up, call on your God, and maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. So, you know, they're praying, you know, God, get us out of this storm. You know, maybe it was a prayer. Um, I don't know if this sounds familiar to you. If you've ever prayed something, you know, God, 
if you get me out of this mess, I'll never you know, fill in the blank. <laughs> I'll never do that again. Just get me out of this trouble or get me out of this and I will do what, you know, make a promise to God. I know sometimes we've, I'm sure, been like those sailors that when we really got earnest in prayer is when we were, we had exhausted everything that we could do. You know, we're, we're in a tough spot. We finally turn to God. The sailors also, one of the things they prayed for, they prayed for forgiveness. They said, God, don't hold this innocent or this man's blood against us. Talking about Jonah, when they're going to throw him uh, overboard. Uh, They thought they were going to be killing Jonah in that. And the sailors also have prayers of worship. In chapter 1, it says, after the sea calms down, in verse 16, it says, the sailors greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord. They made vows or promises to God. So when their prayers are answered, they've thanked God, they've worshiped him, they, they make these vows. Again, we don't know exactly what those vows or promises were, but probably, again, similar to where we've been at, in life at times, that, okay, I made it through that. God, I'm, I'm going to be better from now on. I'm going to not do this. I'm going to stay out of that trouble. And so while the sailors started in worshiping just whatever God, they started off in the wrong direction. They progress in their prayer to the right God. And it's not a bad example of some spiritual growth in our lives. So that's the sailors. Let's look at uh, Jonah. And when did Jonah pray? Well, it wasn't in chapter 1. Uh, when he's being asked to pray, when the captain and the sailors are wanting him to pray, at this point, Jonah is absolutely refusing to pray. Um, you know, how would this story have been different if Jonah had prayed when God first spoke to him? You know, in verse 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah to go to Nineveh, If Jonah had prayed then, even if he had prayed expressing his doubts, his misgivings to God, if he had said, you know, God, are you sure you really want me to go to Nineveh? You you know what those people are like? I mean, they they don't deserve your grace. I mean, they're our, our enemies. They're your enemies, you know? Maybe he would have prayed, well, God, if, if that's really what you want me to do, I'll go. But you know, you're going to have to protect me. You know what these people do to their enemies. You're going to have to give me strength to do this. I don't like it. I really don't want to do it. But if you say so, okay. What if that had been Jonah's prayer to begin with? Um, we wouldn't have much of a story then probably, but... You know, what if Jonah had prayed on the ship during that storm? Uh, You know, the captain's asking him to pray. The sailors are praying. He's sleeping. Jonah won't pray 
then. You know, I think if it had been up to Jonah when the captain tried to wake him up, he'd have said, leave me alone, and rolled over and went back to sleep. But the sailors wouldn't let him off that easy. They wanted to know why this storm was happening and how they were going to survive it. At this point, Jonah would rather die than pray. Jonah didn't have to be thrown into the sea. He could have repented and prayed at that point, and I think God would have calmed the storm. You know, if Jonah had prayed then to say, God, forgive me, made a mistake, I was wrong, I'll do what you want. That would have changed things. But again, Jonah is refusing to pray at this point. And you think about it, when you read through chapter one, there's no indication that it was God's idea to throw Jonah into the sea. I think that's something Jonah came up with on his own. Yeah, that's how strongly he was refusing to pray. He would rather be thrown overboard than to pray to God. You know, maybe Jonah thought he was too far gone from God. Maybe his prejudice against the Ninevites was so strong that he didn't care. Maybe it's a combination of those things. But Jonah will not pray at this point. So when does Jonah finally decide to pray? Is it when he's thrown overboard and he's in the water? It's about to drown? Not even then will Jonah pray. Scripture says that Jonah doesn't pray until he's in the belly of the great fish. And depending on if these verses are intended to be chronologically, Jonah didn't pray till he had been in the belly of the fish for three days. Now, listen to the end of chapter 1 and the first verse of chapter 2. It says, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Now, I don't think that the text necessarily requires that those, you know, three days to have passed before Jonah prayed, but you could sure read it that way. The bottom line, Jonah doesn't pray until the very last moment. Uh, in his prayer, which we're going to read in a moment, it's, he's at the point of death before he's willing to pray. You know, um, He waits to the very last moment. You know, we are Jonah sometimes. I am Jonah. I've been guilty of putting prayer off, of trying to solve my problem on my own before praying and asking God. Before we look at exactly what Jonah prayed, let's look at the Ninevites and when they prayed. You know, the Ninevites are really the best example of prayer in the whole book. The people who, at least outwardly, are the furthest from God are the first ones to pray in the sequence of their story. See, if we look at chapter 3, 
the impression, again from the text, is that the Ninevites respond to Jonah's preaching on day one. They are quick to pray. Chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, it says, Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. He's gone one day of preaching. The next verse says, the Ninevites believed God. And a fast was proclaimed, and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. One day of Jonah's preaching, and they're turning to God. They're beginning to repent. They're praying. They're not waiting to the very end. Jonah's preaching in 40 days, God's going to destroy Nineveh. They don't wait until day 39 at 11.59. Say, hey, we better do something. Day one, they begin to pray. Again, in contrast to the sailors, in contrast to Jonah, you know, the Ninevites begin to pray when they hear the word of God and they're convicted by the word of God. They didn't need a storm to come up on their city or something supernatural to happen to get their attention, to get them to start praying. They didn't need to be swallowed up by a sea creature like Jonah to get serious about their relationship with God. Jonah's preaching the word of God convicted of them sin and they repented. It says they believed God and that's when they repented and began to pray. And what did they pray? Again, we don't have the specifics of the actual words that they used, from, but from God's change of heart uh, to not destroy them, they must have prayed for forgiveness. They prayed repenting of their evil lifestyle. You know, verse 10 says, God saw how they turned from their evil ways, and from there God didn't destroy them. So again, the Ninevites, at least outwardly, are the furthest from God, but the first to come to God in prayer. So we've looked at the sailors, we've looked at Jonah, we've looked at Nineveh about when they prayed and what they prayed other than Jonah. Let's look at what Jonah prayed. We're going to read uh, chapter 2 of uh, Jonah where it says, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet, I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes 
from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto the dry land. What does Jonah pray in these verses? I think the first thing for us to to remember is that Jonah admitted his position. He acknowledged his situation. He says, basically, the guy says, I'm in trouble, and I need your help. Now, commentators are seem divided on the significance of Jonah's words here. Some see that or don't feel that Jonah truly repented of uh, in these verses. You know, they feel that whatever level of repentance Jonah displays is self-serving, is self-centered. Jonah's only concerned about his physical well-being and his physical life and um, not really about spiritually repenting. And they would say that, well, you look at Jonah's attitude in chapter 4, that he is, you know, extremely angry with God that God has shown mercy to the Ninevites. You know, Jonah didn't repent because he still has the same attitude. Um, You know, um, those would seem to be valid points, maybe to say that Jonah didn't truly repent. I don't know that we can judge that. Now, if we want to look at a psalm that is a true prayer of repentance, Psalm 51 is kind of the model example of that, that if you've, you've really blown it in your life and you don't know what to say to God, read Psalm 51 and pray that back to God. Psalm 51 is David's prayer to God, David's prayer of repentance after he's committed adultery and after he's committed murder. So he, I mean, he's some pretty big sins there. This is David's prayer. And in that prayer, you know, he says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Cleanse me. I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out my iniquity. Created me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. These are just some of the, the verses that David prays. And, you know, those are the words that we would like to hear Jonah in terms of his repentance, to uh, have a more direct appeal to the mercy of God, to be more honest in admitting his sin and uh, sinfulness, you know, um, not making any excuses, that desire to reform or change. And, And while it would be nice to hear those words from Jonah, um, that's not what we have recorded. And, you know, I think that Jonah did repent, even if it wasn't perfect repentance, because he does obey God. He does go and preach uh, to the Ninevites. Uh, you know, I think God rescued him from the, the belly of that great fish. If Jonah was not repenting, at least in some degree, Would God have um, commanded the fish to vomit him out on dry land? Would God have continued to use him in his service? You know, maybe Jonah's words aren't as direct as David's. But when we look at those verses, 
Jonah is saying, he says, I'm in distress. I'm in trouble. He said, I'm in deep trouble. Several times he says that. uh, He says, God, I feel cut off from you. I don't feel your presence in my life anymore. Trouble surrounds me. I am trapped. There's no way out for me. You know, Jonah says, I'm as low as I could get. He says, I'm at the roots of the mountain. I'm at the deepest deep. I'm as, you know, literally rock bottom. You know, those are the words of someone calling on God for help. And God responds to those words. Jonah, maybe he wasn't perfect, but he did go and preach to the Ninevites. And, you know, I actually take some comfort in Jonah's continued weakness after his prayer, after his experience in the belly of the great fish. Or I should say I take comfort in God's compassion on Jonah. Even though Jonah kept making the same mistake over and over. As I'm Jonah, my repentance isn't always perfect, if ever. You know, I have to admit, you know, that there are times, you know, that we feel there's a little bit, you know, we're, we're sorry that, um, that we sinned against God, but we also have that little bit of human feeling where we're sorry we got caught. You know, that we're not perfect in our repentance to God. You know, sometimes I'm a slow learner when God is trying to teach me and help me grow spiritually. But Jonah is an example that God keeps working with us as slow learners. Jonah wasn't perfect. His experience in the belly of the whale didn't take away all of his sins, all of his flaws. But God still used him. And God can still use us as well, even though we're not perfect. But we have to begin, as Jonah did, to admit where we're at. We're in trouble. We need help. Jonah also appeals to God or he recognizes that his basis of his relationship with God. A couple times in these verses, Jonah says that I will look to your temple. Now to us, that may not seem to make a whole lot of sense. When we think about the Old Testament, that's where people met God. It was at the temple. Not everybody had the Holy Spirit. Not everybody had, was a temple uh, themselves of the Holy Spirit. They went to the temple to make sacrifices to meet God. Jonah's saying, I'm looking to the source of my salvation. For us, it would be for us to say, God, I'm looking to the cross. I'm looking to the work of Jesus on the cross. I'm a appealing to you in Jesus' name. That's what Jonah, that's the equivalent of what Jonah is saying when he says he's going to look to the temple. Jonah recognized that his relationship, what it was built on with God. And he also recognizes relationship is based on God's love for him. 
In verse 8, he says, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love. It's implying that he's turning toward God's love in his prayer. The phrase worthless idols could be translated, it literally means empty nothings. You know, Jonah had his own plans for his life to begin with. But he's saying, my plans are empty. They are nothing. God, I'm going to follow your plan now at this point. You know, Jonah recognizes God's love and focuses on that. Um, So Jonah admits where he's at. He recognizes and focuses that his relationship with God is based on God's compassion, God's mercy, God's love. He gives thanks to the Lord at the end. He shouts of grateful praise, and he makes a renewed commitment to serve God, to follow through with the promises that he's made to God. You know, Jonah might be considered the Old Testament version of the prodigal son. He left the father, but he came back. And he came back to find acceptance from God and God's continued desire to use him in his service in preaching to the Ninevites. So what do we learn from prayer in the book of Jonah? I think first and foremost, prayer should be our first option, not our last resort that we don't try everything else on our own efforts. We don't wait until things are difficult. You know, the Pew uh, Research Center uh, conducted a survey a number of years ago, and they said that 45% of non-Christians in America and 55% of Christians say they rely on prayer a lot. Only 55% of Christians say they rely on prayer a lot. That is far too short of a percentage of, you know, it should be 100%. You know, the same survey, only 63% of Christians in the United States say they pray regularly as an essential part of their Christian life. 63%. We are Jonah. But God intends for us to use prayer as a first response, not a last resort. We need to be honest in admitting our sin and our responsibility for the position we are in. You know, Jonah couldn't pray in chapter 1 because he wasn't ready to let go of his sin. He wasn't ready to repent. And when we've got sin in our life that we're hanging on to, it makes it hard for us to pray, to pray to God about some other area or need in our life. Jonah knew that if he went to God in prayer, the first thing he had to deal with was his disobeying God and his attitude toward the Ninevites. Sin in our life can keep us from praying to God. So we need to be open and honest and admit our sinfulness, our position before God. And we recognize and appeal to God's love and compassion just as Jonah did. 
We admit where we're at, but we depend upon God's love and mercy. Because if it were up to us and our abilities, we could never achieve what we want, what we need spiritually. And we should never give up or feel that we are too far from God for him to hear our prayer or to answer us. You know, maybe you feel in your life that you've moved too far from God to be reconciled to him. But the book of Jonah over and over teaches us there is no such place. You cannot go that far from God. So whatever storm in life that you may be in the middle of, you can find forgiveness acceptance, peace by turning back to God. Maybe you're trapped in the belly of some destructive habits and it seems like there's no way out to break that cycle. But the ability to break that cycle, the ability to forgiveness, the ability to put back on the right track comes through prayer to God through the cross. In the book of Jonah, there are prayers for deliverance from, from a storm and God was there. There are prayers from one who was at rock bottom, drowning in his trouble at the point of death with no hope. God was there. There are some other prayers of Jonah in the book that we don't have time to look at. In chapter 4, Jonah is angry with God and he prays to God in his anger. And even there, God responds to him in love and compassion. So whether you're angry with God, maybe disappointed with him in some way, God is still there to offer compassion, forgiveness. And there's prayer as a result of hearing the word of God. You know, in each situation, God heard and answered. Whether in desperation, whether as a first response, God hears our prayers. You know, the the common thread through each of those situations was God's compassion. In each situation, prayer is offered, but the people who pray also have to follow through with action. The sailors made vows, Jonah made vows, the Ninevites repented, and they changed their life. How is the Word of God speaking to you today? How do you need to respond to the message of love and compassion from God? You know, whether you're a Christian or not, God is waiting to hear your prayer and to answer it with what you need. Today is a time of decision. How we will respond to God in prayer and in our life. You know, have you made promises to God that you need to keep? Or do you need to respond to him for the first time today? There'd be an opportunity after the service to to meet with myself or Adam or any of the other leaders if you need to talk about your relationship with God. Whatever stage, whatever situation you find yourself in. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we do thank you that you are always there to hear our prayers. Forgive us when we try to live life in our own strength, our own abilities, and failing to lean upon you in your strength, your ability. 
we thank you that in all of our imperfections, you offer us forgiveness, you offer us hope, you offer us a new life in Christ. Father, may we live for him, that you would be honored and glorified. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for joining in with us today. We hope that you were blessed by this message and that you were drawn deeper in faith with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to continue the conversation, please feel free to email us at info at rsccfamily.org. Thanks for the listen and have a great day.